welcome to Epic Parent Podcast. It's episode 102, and I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined once again on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine, like going over the spoils of pre-release weekend. Oh, so did you get a chance to play in the pre-release? And I did. Oh, so tell me more. What what did you play, and was it any damn good? And I decided to go with Obscura for the pre-release, and... Like, to be honest, and I think this is the best I've done since Guilds of Ravnica. I went three and one. That was a bad. Good for you. Three and one. Now, so Obscura, that was, that's the connive mechanic. Did you have a lot of connive in your deck, or was it just like a few pieces here and there? I think there was like a few pieces here and there, but what really helped was that my promo ended up being Rafine Scheming Seer. Oh, so you had, like, the best way to connive. Okay, yeah. That would do it. That would do it for sure. Well, that's pretty cool. I, like... Now, did the, fet, the, did the set feel fun to play with? Were people excited to get their hands on the cards? Big time. And they have all and, uh, the ones. And get this, like, I was actually lucky to have and, uh, scored an Obscura in a this kit because that was the one that everybody was going for really everyone went for it huh i would have yep. i mean i didn't get a chance to play i would have probably pulled the riveter riveteers myself um i kind of like the look of them or the cabaretti but i mean obscura was cool i mean like good for you good for them i'm good for you guys that you guys had a seemingly a pretty busy event so that's good for the shop so that's pretty good yeah, um i didn't enough. get a chance to pre-release oh go ahead I was just going to say is that alongside the pre-release, I also managed to score B, a draft booster box. Oh, wonderful. Oh, nice. Now, you got to be a good boy here. Don't pop that. Just don't pop those packs for giggles. You're doing, you're drafting that, aren't you? Honestly, and I am. Good man. You tucked that away in a cor- in a closet for a couple of weeks. And then, and then when you, when the ch- time comes, you uh, you draft that with some friends and uh, have a good time. All right, excellent. That is good to know. You got your score. You scored yourself a draft box. That's exciting well, and, stuff. Like I was gonna me. mention is that like alongside getting Rafine as my promo, you would never believe what else I happened to pull from my pre-release kit. No idea. So I mean, what like they they had a seeded pack, right? So you could have had like all sorts of great obscure goodies, or yeah. I mean, did they, but, did they like, put the packs themselves? Else like the packs themselves, I pulled two notable mythics. What'd you get? Layer stash and Urobrask. Oh, oh yeah, baby. That's the stuff right there. Oh, excellent. Bootlegger stash. That's my jam. That's my jam. Jam. Yeah, like it. Love it. All right. That's pretty cool. That's a good weekend, man. You did well. Yeah. Are you gonna sell that bootlegger stash? We're gonna keep it and grind it and jam it. I'm probably gonna jam it in like in a deck. Nice. I there's something, no way I'm getting rid of that. Something janky too. Put in something janky. Excellent. Um, just so you guys, you might have heard another voice there. We're also joining by yet another member 
an esteemed member of the Lotus Council. Tonight we are joined by a young man with a very bright future. Tonight we have the one, the only, the inimitable Sneaky Pete. Pete, how are you tonight? Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say esteemed, but I guess seasoned at this point. Oh, seasoned. It's already been what two years that I've been in there. It's crazy. Uh, well, it's been yeah, you've been there since <laughs> I think that's about the very beginning. So yeah, you've been there for for the, for a while. You're a regular for sure. Um, contribute plenty of great ideas to to the Discord and uh, be one of the one of the people that people uh, when people you, you are asking for opinions, you chime in and people definitely take notes. So uh, I would say that you're. We can call you seasoned instead of uh, esteemed, but sure, you know, that's okay. Um, but there we go. So excellent. Well, but how are you today, Pete? Are you doing okay? Yeah, not too bad. Um, it's been a, been a pretty good week. Been very eventful uh, outside of Magic. Um, inside Magic, uh, picked up some cards at my local LGS. I went home for a weekend, so uh, picked up some kind of kind of old, old staples, I guess you could say. Um, nice. Cards that are considered good but niche i guess so <laughs> that's good i mean that's, that's always a nice uh nice feeling to pick up some undervalued gems that you think you're going to be able to get good mileage out of i mean that's kind of you know what we want to do here on the show anyway to help people stretch that dollar a little bit further uh as natalia kills would say stretch that dollar anyway um <laughs> i just dated myself no one knows who natalia kills is anymore but anyway um <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. You can all that's your internet research tonight there folks. Go look up the song. Uh, I think it's called Money by Natalia Kills. And basically she's talking about stretching her dollars through any means necessary. So kind of our, our one of our MOs here on the show. Um otherwise, did you pre-release Pete? No, actually um I just missed it because where I live in um, in Washington D.C., there's really no shops that are close enough. But I actually went into one of my local LGSs, and the guy asked me the same question, and I said, "Unfortunately, I'll be back in D.C." But he's like, "Hey, wait before you go," and he gave me two promo cards from the set. So Ooh. sweet guy out of um, Jaff Comics in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, the guy has a great shop down there. If you're in the area, please check it out. But he got he gave me a, a Mind Stone and uh, the one that you discard a card, it's mono red to create a token copy of a creature, uh, the Trickster or something. I forget the name of the card. Sure. Uh, but uh, there's so many, there's so many yeah. new cards. I can't keep. I can't keep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, I was shocked. I was like, because I've been there for a bit <laughs> and um, you know, just giving out promos. I mean, that's it's really sweet of them. So. Well, I mean, I, there, there are some great shops. Like I was visiting relatives over March break here in here in uh, here in Canada, and popped into a local a local game store where wherever I was, and you know bought a couple of packs. And the guy was asking like, "Hey, you're new. You're not from around here." I'm like, "Oh, I'm visiting. I'm from out of town." Oh, what do you play? Oh, I play Commander. And he handed me a couple of promo packs, like just just for because. Nice. And I was like, "That's super cool. Like, thanks very much." So I know next time when I'm in the area again, I'll be I'll check in and see the other doing, and I'll give them a little bit of my patronage. I may not be much, but a couple of packs here is better than nothing, right? So um, excellent. It's always good to support your local game stores because they uh, they are they are a linchpin in uh, many in you know just playing the game really. Like without having those play spaces, it's really hard. As we'll talk about tonight in our course of our conversation, 
to uh, to to get people playing. So anyway, we got a little other housekeeping yeah. to do there, and before we get too far wrong there, Pete. But so um, all right, folks, if you like the content here on the show and you want to find more of it, you can find every episode on thelotuscouncil.com. Uh, you can so you can go check it. There's a podcast tab, and every episode, I think, part like going back to episode three, appears there on thelotuscouncil.com. So that means you can find the show each and every week. It's uploaded there for free. Also, the Lowe's Council has a lot of other great things. There's some videos that Sona, who was on the show a couple weeks ago for episode 100, uh, posts videos on YouTube for them. There's a Twitch stream with with WoWo playing on Arena. Uh, they're, they're, like, there's a Discord that is fantastic and is probably the best value you're going to find on the internet because it is free. And lots and lots of great people to connect with and who love talking magic and love talking EDH. So uh, come and check out the LotusCouncil.com. Uh, tell them that Bruce and Lux sent you, and you're going to be treated very well by the nice people there and how all the great opportunities that, that pop in um, from, uh, from, you know, from that. So come and check out the LotusCouncil.com. Uh, just a reminder, we ha- do have an ongoing giveaway for episode 100. Uh, so stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can win. We are going to be giving away a Killian deck uh, that I'm going to be brewing for you, you people. It'll be all brewed, sleeved, and in a sac- satin deck, ta- deck, ta- deck box. And I will mail it to your house so you too can have a piece of the Lotus Council, uh, sorry, of the Epic Experiment podcast. And you can uh, enjoy playing one of our decks. So, yeah, that is the show um, news going on. All right. Segment one, we have some garbage or great today. And then segment two, we're going to talk to Pete about how he sees Commander. And we're going to have some questions, but it's going to be more of like a conversation about a whole bunch of different things. And then segment three, we've got a fun deck. That's going to be very apropos for the advent of uh, New Capenna. So, let's get going. Segment one, garbage or great, we have... This is a card I have never, ever seen. I have never seen cast. I have ne- I never saw it until Pete actually mentioned it to me. So, here we go. Shaman's Trance. Two and a red. Instant. Out of Judgment. And it says other players can't play lands or cast spells from their graveyards this turn. You may play you may play lands and cast spells from other players' graveyards this turn, as though those cards were in your graveyard. And this card is unbelievably crazy cool. Pete, talk to us about this card. What if, what 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 have you found to do with this card? Because this seems like, like a really sweet card. Yeah, so I was thinking like two or three different avenues here. All right, first, the obvious one would be if you can play lands from other people's graveyards, say you miss a land drop, you can play a fetch or like a basic or something out of someone's yard. Um, The other thing that I was thinking of, this is a perfect card in in Chainer, right? Because it says you can play, you can cast spells, right? Any spell. Um, or is it, or is it just instant sorceries? I forget what it says. Uh, you can play um, cards from other players' graveyards. Oh yeah, so you could. It's a perfect card in Chainer and Rakdos Chainer, uh, because you can just discard a card and play someone else's creature <laughs> that's in their graveyard. Um, oh, let's just read Chainer. That's, that's let's so let's read Chainer's text so people may not be familiar with it. So 
Chainer right. has a text on it. Discard a card. You may cast a creature spell from your graveyard this turn. Activate only once each turn. So you could discard a garbage card and then cast their best creature from their deck. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the other thing too um, is just we were talking about this before we uh, like earlier on when I mentioned the card the first time, but but Past in Flames as well would be oh, man. basically at this point it's already a very good card. Um, Mizzix Mastery as well is one I just thought of. Um, yes. Where where you can flash basically flash back instances and sorceries from your graveyard, and into this extension other people's graveyard. Especially say you're playing somebody who is a spell slinging deck and they're throwing in a lot of uh, cantrips and a lot of um, a lot of like uh, you know uh, refilling their hand with uh, with wheels or something. And you need to find an answer to a problem. You could subtly, you know, throw this card out there. And um, again, you'd have to either have something to give your stuff flash, or just do it on your turn, um, in order to get the the, bo the bonus effects there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's a very flexible card. I guess that's that's what I'm getting at. Is um, for for only being fifty cents, I, I I'm surprised it's barely played in any. Any, I think it's like it's a ninety-three decks. Only a few hundred decks. Yeah, decks. it's not even a hundred decks on. Yeah, it's not even a hundred decks on EDH rec, which is incredible. Um, even like mono red, which doesn't have a lot of support sometimes, but it has a lot of artifact support. So, if you wanted to play someone else's artifacts from their graveyard, you could do so. Oh man. Um, ramp out or white. I mean, white's got better card draw, but. Everyone's playing, you know, artifacts that tap for for more than one color now. So, um, it could be easy to play it, and then, well, you can know, I ask you, play can I, play a draw spell. Can I ask you a question yeah. about this card? So, it says you yeah. may play cards from other players' graveyards as though they were in your graveyard. So, meaning, if there's a land in your in their graveyard that you would like to play, you have to have a way to still get it out of their graveyard because, like. Yep. So you'd have to have your Crucible of Worlds or your Ramanap yeah. Excavator. But then if you had that in play, you could go and get their Dark Depths they sacrificed. I think I think you'd have to... I'm not sure how it would work if it would work on your deck, because I think you're playing it on your battlefield, so I think it would only have to do with um, with your uh, board state i think but I, I guess that's a really good question well we'll have to ask the um, judge about this one but this card seems really really neat and like really complex like there's a lot of layers to this card to determine if this is garbage or this is really great so lux <laughs> let's have a crack at this one shaman's trance do we think this is good like a garbage or this is great honestly i think it's great i you know what i'm going to agree and like I want to say it's great. I don't know if from a playability standpoint if this card is great, but this is going to be one of those cards that makes everybody sit up and go, whoa, 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 wait a second. What are you doing? Uh, yes, I am doing the thing where I'm casting your flashback spells or I have got, you know, whatever it is from your graveyard and I'm going to cast it now and drive somebody absolutely nuts. I love it. I think this card is fantastic. Um, and at 30 cents, it seems like a really good one. I think like the like the 
like the mode I think this card probably sees most often. I'm going to be honest. Um, is going to be a counter. If there's counter spells that have flashback. Um, let's see. Counter target spell. Target spell. This is the this is the good. Okay, advance. No, I want counter target spell. So as you're looking that up, I'm thinking about Title Barracuda from Commander 2020. I don't even know that card. Um, what does that card do? So it's a fi it's a fish. Okay, it's three colorless and a blue. Any player may cast spells as though they had flash. Your opponents oh can't cast God. spells during your turn. So imagine playing this card, which is only like two bucks or less. And playing that card. Oh my god! Shaman, uh, Shaman That's amazing. Yes. It's is it it's is it memes pretty yes, much. Yes, so it's, um, it's all the it's all the, like, the memes. But you're gonna yeah. there's gonna be that game where it pops off and it's gonna do something absolutely wild. And let's be real, isn't that why most of us play Commander to see something yeah, unexpected to break a card that shouldn't be broken? Yeah. And yeah. so you're gonna mm -hmm. turn this terrible judgment instant that only nine or three people want to play, and Turn it into, um, like just I don't know, like just something hilarious. I love it. Um, I well, it beats spending two hundred thirty dollars on Yogmoth's will. So oh, so much so, <laughs> so much so. Yes. No, I don't want. That. I want like an instant. I want flashback. No, that's not the right spot to put that card. That, uh, oh, can I do it? Oh, okay. Put on that one. Are there any cards that have flashback with that are? I'm sure there's counter spells with flashback. Um, I just don't know what they are, offhand. We'll see was madness. Some there's gotta be something that I've got. Recover. There's there's fervent denial, which is seven mana in the flashback. Well, cost. Did you, it's a five mana instant. You need it. <laughs> Counter targets. You need it, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. That's cool. I think that's I think that's a really neat card. I think I'm in for I'm in for it. And uh, I think it's fantastic. So it's great. I think it's so yeah. old, so jank. And when you do it, someone's going to go, wait, 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 what did you just cast? And they go, yeah. Right. Read this and feel sad. <laughs> so I'm in. I yeah. love it. Shaman's Trance, everybody, from Judgment. Uh, it is old and it is, uh, it is something else to behold. All right. Let's move on. Segment two. Uh, let's we're gonna ask some, Pete, some questions and sort of create a conversation here around uh, around just generally commanders. So let's start with how did you come to play magic? And so, and how specifically did you start playing commander? Like everyone's got an origin story. Sure. What is yours? So I'll just, uh, just thinking about the community that we're now a part of. Um, I never really had that. Uh, and, and it's funny. We talked about LGSs earlier, not to revert back to that, but just like the, the way that the the game brings people together, especially Commander being a more social format, um, I was never like a, I guess, a typical nerd, I guess. And that's not even an insult. That's more of a, 
just like I played sports growing up. I never really was exposed to card games in general. Uh, I got to college and a kid had this massive cardboard box in the dormitory and he's like, hey, can I show you this? And I'm like, sure, like, because he's a super nice kid. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, but, you know, I'll, I'll just sit down and let him explain the game to me. And he explained magic and I thought it was super cool. And then my buddy Alex Mason, um, he's on the Lotus Council as well. He's actually a moderator on the channel. Um, but he told me about this 60 or this 100 card format. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Because I had just been exposed to modern and standard. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend money on to make a deck that's 100 cards that I can't fit in a normal like box, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then he subtly, slowly chipped away at me for several months. And then he's like, we should just give it a shot. So I was like, okay. So my first deck that I built was, what well, I built Alesha. Right, yeah. Um, and I, and it was like, I didn't know what the social contract was. Mm -hmm. And we ended up, I ended up playing stuff like uh, Goblin Rune Blaster and Nomad Riders and stuff because I was so sick of losing all the time to Mason because he just had a better grasp of the game in general. Right. Um. He's just very good at the game. He's just talented wise. He uh, he's very good at um, accomplishing the goal that he wants to accomplish. So he would run this Brutaclad deck. He would you know clone everything and then beat me in the face with with the tokens. Um, and then when I started to get more into the game, because I love the mechanics of using the graveyard as like a second hand. So I I built the zombie deck because the first uh. Um, magic deck i built was a really bad demir zombies deck before they got all the help with commander it was it was terrible it was a terrible deck but it was fun because it was just a bunch of meat bags yeah. you know yeah <laughs> well, you gotta love it you gotta love it um so as i got more involved i i don't like losing but i also respect that i don't expect to win so if that makes sense um so going into, as I slowly started to build decks, I wanted them to be more resilient, but also have some goal in mind because I found that I would stretch myself a little mm -hmm. bit when I was building decks. And then community-wise, I grew up a lot. Like when I first started playing the game, like a lot of us, when we first started doing something competitive um, or just, you know, our competitive nature gets in the way, a lot of complaining, oh, why'd you make this decision messing with my board state? And I was like, this is silly. Like, I should just chill. Yeah. <laughs> so as I play now, sometimes things irk me, but I try to I try to just not take anything to heart because I know that it's just a game at the end of the day. It's meant to be fun. If you take yourself too seriously in life in general, like, uh, you're going to just burn bridges that you could build instead. And we've all been there, I think, in pods where it's been quite awkward. Um with the, uh, the, the, like, just people, people, like, are not on the same page sometimes, and, and we were going to talk about this, I think, uh, later on, but I'll allude to this now, just the, uh, how weird it is to be online sometimes playing, rather than being in person, it's almost like, because you don't see the person's face, uh, the human aspect of, like, wanting to have a, a good play experience can sometimes be muddled by the the need to win or what the you know will to win or whatever um so 
Yeah, uh, I guess my origin story is more so I take the competitive side of sports. I try to apply it to this game that actually has to use your brain. And then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And Shorzy knows, Bruce knows uh, from playing with me that usually, randomly, in a turn, I'll just go off. And I don't even know how I got to that outcome. It just kind of happens. So well, that's, that's, that's the sneaky Pete. The sneaky, sneaky Pete steals the win out of nowhere. No, I think we, I think we can yeah. all relate to some degree. Like we have, like most of us who play the game have played or have been involved competitively in some other outlet before we came to Magic. Um, particularly those people who are truly um, geared to playing, uh, who are geared to win, right? And I can understand uh, the whole desire to win as well as, as, well as anybody. Um, I, I mean, I've spoken about it here on the podcast before. Um, I've played competitive sport for much of my life. I then proceeded to officiate professional sport like I referee professional hockey for a time. And so, you know, where winning and losing is paramount, like people's careers depend on winning and losing. So, so I understand the desire, but I've also been on the, the end of losing enough to know that the sun will rise tomorrow. And so, you know, yep. approaching magic from the standpoint of like when P- I don't, I have a really hard time understanding when people get salty and grouchy about having lost a game because we're playing magic. It's a game that's supposed to be fun. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, then why are you doing it? Life is too short to be doing stuff that you're not happy with. So if you can, if you're only happy when you win, like my, my question continue as is and has always been, why are you continuing to pursue this? Um, because you're not going to win every match. Even the very best players on the planet don't win every match. So, you know, we need to, we need we need tempered expectations, and accept the fact. That, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say like the expectation side of it. Um, I think people put too much pressure on themselves, even, even when it's like in a store or even. Because I know time is precious, right? Like, you feel like you don't want to waste your time. And I've been on the receiving and the, you know, dishing out end of both, where I, like, stomped somebody pretty bad in LGS one time, and it happened, like, three games in a row. And he's like, my decks are just not fast enough for you. I'm not going to waste my time. Thanks, and I'll see you later. And, you know, I felt bad. But he wasn't upset. He was just kind of like, well, I just my decks are not as quick uh, and you know and they weren't by and by any means my decks are not cdh level uh but at this particular instance it was just difficult to see like you know the end of the tunnel i guess per se um and and then being online is hard because i i know personally i take time out of my busy life to come on and play and um you know, it can be frustrating when, say, you want to test a deck or something, and there's an individual that decides to play a deck that steals all your stuff. You're like, well, what's the point in me playing with you when I'm just not able to play the deck? So I get that. Um, actually, I'm most excited because I bought the pre-cons for this set that just came out. 
I'm super excited to test them with, uh, like, I guess you could say my local playgroup in quotes. It's like a Discord group right. that I yeah. have. Um, but but because I want to test it with them because it's fun because the one guy plays more budget and then the other guy has some precons that he has just sleeve just for that kind of occasion. Um, and I think it's also fun to just take a step back, you know, because I think we get into this, like, tunnel vision of how do i make this deck perform or like how do i how do i improve this deck consistency wise like i know um i would try to like take out certain like two card combinations because it one it got really boring but also um i i don't really care about consistency right now like some people care about that but when i'm sitting down to play with people i'd rather try something weird like some of the most fun interactions i've had is like mason and i would just target each other yeah. <laughs> but like stupidly like not even not even like in a smart way like he was gonna lose the game one time and he deflecting swatted something back to me and killed me instead <laughs> yeah no it's like something happened something really funny where like he was just about to lose and he just like reflected it back to me and i was i lost the game or yeah. something i forget how that worked or I one time I offed myself in on like turn five or six with a fire covenant <laughs> because somebody was somebody was playing a um, slime foot. It was, um, I was I'm very sure I was on that one that game. Yeah, she, Bruce, I think you were there. Uh, um, but Lux, I I I put like a thirty nine life into a fire covenant, and uh, and Court on the Lotus Council was playing his Sapperling deck, uh, slime foot, and he had one Sapperling on the board. <laughs> That I that I killed with the with the fire gun, <laughs> so I you know I died on turn yeah, six. Was... <laughs> uh... So you know it's it's those funny interactions I think are lost when we focus too much on like trying to get ahead. I guess not just winning, but also just trying to get ahead in the particular game instead of just focusing on like just focusing on the game itself progressing instead of like. Uh, getting wrapped up in uh, uh, stuff like that. So, so, so. Sort of like, it sounds like you're talking yeah, like people have forgotten the journey. Like they're focused on the destination, but they're right. not taking stock of the journey to enjoy yeah. the, enjoy the game on the way to whatever. Yeah. Oh. Like I love seeing cards. Yeah. I just, I love seeing cards that don't see play a lot because first I have to ask them three times what the card does, but, but, yeah. but also it's fun to see people's personal imprint on a deck where we've, we're starting to see this, this like, and I've only been in the game for a few years, but I've seen it just rapidly the last two months where everyone has started to play the same cards, right? The same good cards. Um, or like the focus of, I was talking to a friend of mine last, this past weekend about this, like the state of the format and he plays a lot of arena and, and standard. And he's like, well, it seems like they're going into this direction where they're putting more keywords on cards in general. Like they have creatures with three different and evergreen abilities are no longer those cards you're going to draft. You're you're looking for cards that have more than just death touch or flying. You're looking for a card that has like two different abilities on it. Like that that um Rafine card, right? It has connive, it has ward 1 and it has flying. It has three different keywords and it loots for you. Yeah. Right? It impacts your entire board. And it seems like 
that's where the direction is heading with the game. Um, like the removal isn't as good uh, in standard, it seems, uh, to remove bigger and better creatures like crap, like uh, Goldspan Dragon. You know, like that's broken a lot of formats oh. recently because it's just so good. Like oh. it's just very even when it's removed, it yeah, creates the raw, the raw value for you. So yeah, right. So I don't know. I mean, you've been along around longer than I have, but have you kind of seen the same trend? I feel like maybe because there's so much product as well, there there's a lot of push to um, you know keep it fresh, but also I think speed has become more important. Well, um, I, you know, they don't want to they don't want to con situation. No, I think uh, well, okay. I think you're I think you're right. So uh, let's get Lux here. So Lux, you work in a shop, and have you sort of seen? The attitude that Pete's talking about, where people are so wrapped up in the destination, like in the winning, that they forget the the, the act of the the, the the process, the the journey to get to, to enjoy the the experience. Like when people come through the door of the shop, are they to sit down to play commander at your in your store? Are they sitting down to 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 run their opponents off the table, or are they sitting down to have have a good time? I mean, they, there's been a couple of people, like maybe they two or three, but uh, for the most part, I mean, they everybody's been more about just like playing the game, like having fun. That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. And I like I'm like it sounds like when we've talked like when we've talked about your store before, that you guys have cultivated a pretty healthy community down there, uh, in in Texas there uh, there Lux. So, um to your store and all the players if you guys are listening congratulations like i'm glad you guys seem to be doing a pretty good job of of helping uh your community experience the game in a way that's positive and people are feeling pretty happy about coming into the store and playing because i know that that experience is not the is not that the same everywhere um and there's been a lot of criticism levied online about different stuff so i'm glad to hear that lux um as for the state of the, like, you're thinking we're sort of moving into the conversation around the state of the format uh, and, like, what we've seen change. And um, and you commented, like, just even the last, within the last two months, you've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of homogenization of the format around stuff. And I would, um, I would, I would tend to echo that. I think it's been a lot longer than the last couple of years or last couple of months. I mean, I would say it's been ongoing for years. Um, now, I... Part of that, I think, is there's been a design philosophy change. Um, that uh, there's been a design mm-hmm. philosophy change that's really amped up the power level. And it, yes, like Throne of Eldraine was largely regarded as probably the most egregious offender in a long time. Like all those adventure cards are hugely egregious offenders of it because now they are a built in two for one into everything. Like they are a built in two for one. And so if you can find good uh, adventure cards or Oko, like Oko is, Oko is, a, uh, is just a terrible offender as well because it's just so, like, I mean, sure, in Commander it's less impactful. Like, I mean, Oko's not a, the boogeyman of the format. But everyone can look at Oko and say, that's really good. That's a real problem. How am I going to answer that Planeswalker? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, like, I come back to Obnixilis, uh, the adversary, and I wonder what are they thinking yeah. from a design, philosophy, design philosophy standpoint because they're giving us a, a like sure, Obnixilis isn't on the same power level as Oko was, 
But now we're giving a, now we have a capacity to have two of him for three mana, like which is yeah. to me strikes me as being like this is this we're playing with fire once again here. And sure, generally Nuka Pena seems to be more of a power level where people are prepared to accept that. I think, but if we went back to Khan's block, and which was. I love cons. I just like making fun of it because I that's like the first real set I really Yeah, got well, into. I, I, I love cons, right? I, like, cons is one of my favorite. Cons is where I started my commander adventure. So, um, my first deck was Lavinia of the Tenth. So, she was the blue white um, Azorius uh, maze runner from Dragon's Maze, which I would actually say she's actually quite decent as a commander. But you gotta be you. You have to want to play her in a very controlling build because she taps. Sorry, she detains, which is even worse than tapping it. She detains all four mana, non land permanents on the table, which means that includes their creatures, their mana rocks, anything that could be like utilized has now been rendered ineffective, and that's that's big game, right? But then my next five commanders were all the protocons from State Reforged. So I have Alesha, Agatar, Shuyun, uh, Yazova, and I have a Tassiger, but I choose to run Sidisi Brew Tyrant um, as my my Saltai commander. But I have one for each of the five uh, wedges from Khan's block, and I loved it. I think it was fantastic. All right. Um, but what we've seen is such a dramatic escalation in um, the plate and design. And, like, you don't have to look any... Like, people said, oh, Kamigawa was fine. Kamigawa was incredibly complex. I don't know what everyone's thinking. It was fine. Like, ninjutsu being reintroduced is a big deal. Like, that's a very... Like, that's a tough mechanic. And that's a tough... What that dramatically changes is everyone's mindset. Because when someone attacks with a unblockable or a evasive creature you have to wonder do i fire off this removal spell do they have a ninjutsu card that they're going to like swap out of their hand like there's this whole additional layer of thinking that has to go into every decision um the sagas that were printed in kamigawa is like as much as everyone says oh they're not that good i'm like no they're very good because up until then if you had if your saga hit chapter three it was probably going to the bin and now it's a creature that hangs around on the battlefield to help build your battlefield. Now it can carry a sword. It can be enchanted. It can chump block. It, like right. that's a that's a hugely impactful adjustment to the game. And so, it does, sure, it's not mind blowing alterations to the to the power level of the game. But I think the power level of the game has dramatically ratcheted up um, from a play design standpoint. Um, I also have maintained that there is uh, a real, um, and I talked about it when we had Mike on around New Year's, um, that the exposure to more um, different people and, 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 and the explosion of content around Commander has really, really altered the format. Like, back in, when Khan's Block was floating around, really the only Commander podcast and content creators were the guys of the command zone, Joshi Kwai and 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 uh, and Jimmy Wong. They were really the only two people doing it. 
And now there's so many podcasts about Commander. There's so many YouTube channels about Commander. You want to you you want to watch Commander of of any power level. Typically, at a high power level, you're going you're seeing it, and people are then, you know, coalescing their ideas around around these people right. and these thoughts. And like, look, part of me thinks it's fantastic that there's so many people who are. Um, who love the game, who want to share their opinions, just like us. Like they, they get on and they have their platform and they can do it, right? And they're being heard and they're having real impacts into the way the format is evolving. And now I don't think any of that's bad. I think that's like, ultimately I think that's oh, very yeah. healthy to have that conversation, have that discourse. Um, but it also means that people need to be very far more intentional about what they're choosing to do when they build their decks because mm-hmm. um, right. there was once upon a time when you played EDH and it was sort of lumped into this giant homogenous blob and very much now, like there's people who are those com- the competitive players. We have the guys who like to play high power. We have the guys who like to play uh, mid power grind matches. We have the guys who love to just jam pre-cons and we have all sorts of stuff in between. And I think that's great, but we but it needs for us to be more intentional about what we're doing with our decks, and then like similar to what we just talked about earlier, what are what are our expectations for the game? And I think those expectations need to be tempered and 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 kept in kept in in check as we work through our games and how we like to do it. Um, so, like I think. You know, you touched on a few points there, Pete, but like, how do you, like, how, like, how do you see it change? As someone who came to the game a little more recently and who came yeah. to the format, like after, like, while you were getting into it, like the format, Commander wasn't what you picked up right away. It took you a little while. Yep. And it just, it exploded, it exploded probably a year after I got into it. You know what I mean? Like all the content started pouring into YouTube probably around the same time that I had started to actually like you know put money into the game right um i would say what around the end of 2018 2019 was when everything kind of started to explode about that um maybe maybe you know because i remember alex told me oh there's this really there's this new format you know it's super cool like we should get into it and i'm like it's 100 cards dude that's crazy (laughs) i can barely keep track of 60 cards um but he's like, oh, it's only one copy of each card. I'm like, wait, it's only one copy of each card? It's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, I remember buying, like, the Demir Guild Kit and the Golgari Guild Kit back in, you know, in that time. And I started with that basis. And then I kind of expanded slowly from there as I was doing some more research with him on, like, where, do, how do we want, how do we want to play the game? Um, and what would be interesting and like i remember tiny leaders was out a oh, little bit yeah. and we talked about it a bit we talked about it a bit um there's this guy on youtube that i like to he doesn't have many videos but he talks about why he loves tiny leaders so much and his insight is very interesting um he's fish mtg that's the guy's name but his perspective on tiny leaders is super interesting um but check oh. that out sometime um but basically you know i got into commander and 
it was very it was it was grindy there wasn't as much value um into it i am cat was still i think rotating out of standard at that point so like anointed procession wasn't what it is now (laughs) and i remember i pulled two of them and i traded one for gitrog because gitrog became one of those yeah and then that's and then it's funny because like it's crazy how cards have exploded in price and then dipped dramatically um as well i've noticed that uh like anointed procession when i got it was pretty cheap and now it's really expensive or blood moon and and uh the uh, creature that yeah. does it magus of the moon they used to, one one used to be super expensive i think it was the creature or or something or the enchantment and then they flipped <laughs> like they flipped in price the enchantment is a viable one right now and and, and yeah. magus of the magus of the moon is, yeah. is not very much but yes uh for sure right so like i guess just because everything kind of exploded um right around the time and then COVID happened too so people had more time on their hands um i think that has impacted because they want i think they want bigger board states in general i think it just you know that's why they always say green is like the fun color you know because it's big big things or lots of things um you know uh and like I'm, i'm glad they're balancing white because i like I like what white does. I think white is necessary in terms of the the way it polices the board sometimes when the board mm-hmm. gets too crazy. Um, you know, like a, ba- like a great balance. You know how like balance is probably one of the most famous white cards out there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess the homogenous is, is kind of like everything is creating tokens now. <laughs> like Capena, like everyone is creating yeah, treasure tokens. No, and, then, <laughs> or, and then Ginny is going to make them all into cats or dogs and smash the table. So, yeah. No, I, like, yeah. Or like there's this card that came out that it's not in, it's in the set boosters. It's a Jund card. And it has haste. It taps, gives your opponent treasures. Whenever they sacrifice a treasure, you can put a plus one plus one counter on a creature, any creature, and draw a card. So every set set treasure they sack, you get to draw a card and put a counter on something. And I think that's the epitome of like the microcosm of the format is we want to make things bigger. We want to have allow people to draw more cards. We want people to ramp faster. Um. Because I think, because you know how like uh, certain colors are really control aspect and the quote unquote unfun way to play is, you know, to make the game last three hours long. And I think they don't in general, and I can't speak for wizards because I'm not, I'm not anywhere near close to their hierarchy, but um, I think they just want the game to progress quicker and people you know get more aggressive in their in their mindset of i want 100 cats or dogs yeah. <laughs> on my board or something um yeah cuz i can't really think of cuz i always look i guess when i look at a commander i look at does it have built in protection a and then b can it draw me cards and if it has one or two of those boxes then i think it's pretty solid any way you kind of build it um because that value i guess outvaluing your opponent but i mean look at xander like everyone's freaking out about xander and i don't think Uh, xander's a big deal we we, we pooped on him here on the show (laughs) i believe it 
I believe it because it is not. It's not a fun. It's not a necessary. And I'm kind of upset that they didn't do anything more creative with Grixis. I mean, they have the the vampires that do the really cool copying of spells and stuff. I think that's super cool. But I don't know. I I mean, you path to exile him. He's gone. But he. But it's also the most atypical Grixis card I've ever seen printed in the last how many months well, or whatever. We haven't seen a lot since... of Grixis cards printed really because we haven't really seen Grixis. But right. uh, I mean, apart from Nicol Bolas, yeah. But um, I, you know, we, we I won't, I'm not going to rehash Xander too much here. Apart from we, 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 yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, we, leave that. We've leave definitely that, yeah. set our piece on him, and we don't think he's particularly good. Um, people are excited for him, and I'm glad they're excited for him. I think there's going to be a lot of sad yeah. Grixis players that are going to play Xander and uh, are going to discover. He's not gonna well, it's going to hit the board, or <laughs> then it's going to probably eat a path or a swords, and that's going to be what happens. Like it's going to eat right. exile removal all the time, like eat to extinction or whatever. The one, like it's just gonna yeah. Eat. So like the the one three color that I was kind of annoyed about, um, was the bant the direction they took bant with the counters because we've seen that already, right? Like we saw it in Akoria. With the with the different kinds of counters and stuff, and I'm like, can we do something different, please? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then, but but then they wanted to make it. In my opinion, I think they wanted to make it more fun and and more like generalized because Bant is kind of disgusting, and their mistake of printing Drevi or the fact that it has all three colors that can remove a lot of things and get get a ton of value pretty quickly with flickering or with land related shenanigans. I guess it's, it's one, like how many directions are they able to go in without the card be being stale? That's design concern for sure. <laughs> um, now you're, you're starting yeah. to get into some other aspects of the game here. So I want to maybe ask you like, what do you think a good player needs to have these days outside of just technically understanding how to play the game and such? In yeah. order to have success these days, I mean, you think you're talking about like a pretty healthy evolution of the game of Commander, and uh, it's really gone. Right. Uh, you know, we've had more content, more cards, more power, just more, more of everything. So, how do players continue to have success when uh, and adapt to this changing game when it's undergone such a dramatic, you know, shakeup? From you know yeah. where it started with you know in 2013 with like the very first ever commander products. So I got like a few small points on that. The first thing that I thought of was discernment, and we t we talk about this all the time in the professional world, but also like you know academic world because I'm still I'm getting my masters. I'm in school still. Um, like. When you see someone talking about particular cards, you don't have to agree with them, but it's good to appreciate what they have to say. Um, I sure as heck don't agree with everything that I hear, um, but I also realize that everyone's perspective is shaped by the way they look at the game. Um, so I think being, especially like, I always think of it now, if I gave my deck to someone who never has played this game before, would they be able to understand how the deck is built and what it's supposed to do? Um, without having to ask me a million questions, or at least, it's fascinating to see other people play your your your, oh, your yeah. decks. Um, because especially if they're new, if they don't know what how to do it, it it's almost like 
it's almost like it would be so difficult uh, for them to to grasp these concepts. So I think thinking taking off the hat of like uh, I need to make the most efficient, prolific deck that I can think of, and thinking about well, what if my friend is sitting across the table has no idea really how to play this game yet, and is trying to figure out the ropes here? What would be a way for me to introduce them? Maybe trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe with a heavy 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 combo <laughs> deck or something. But but um, you know maybe give them like I don't know a stompy deck like a Galta mono green deck or something fun just to just test just to test drive. Um, I think the adaptation comes with just like taking a step back in in a sec and also having a good balance because I feel like we get overrun by the game too sometimes. I know I've done that several times. Um, where I just had to take a step back for a second and be like, wow, I need like a few weeks and just, I can't look at anything. (laughs) I need to just take a little bit of a break because again, there's so much product out the thing. Um, it's good to see a lot of different cards and different strategies and stuff that is becoming more mainstream. But at the same time, I think like you, you always get at least one or two people in general, that they might play a few games and they're just, you can tell, like, they're just, yeah. they're just burned out <laughs> in that particular, that particular pod, maybe, or they're just, it's been a long week or something. It's happened to me plenty of times. Uh, it's happened to friends of mine that play on Discord, where they're just like, yeah, I need some time off. <laughs> I need to just chill out. Um, and then, I guess... I guess you gotta find what you what you enjoy. Like, how how do you like to play the game? And like you said, Bruce, uh, your goal in mind, and then your personality in terms of like I feel like your personality will impact how you build a yeah. deck. Um, where like I'm I'm always I've always been like this. Even even my personal like thinking, I'm always like zero to a hundred. <laughs> That's how my decks run. Right? They're either they go they just go real crazy and i can't repeat that again <laughs> or or they don't do much and i'm trying to figure out what i need to do to make it work um so i think that's kind of like how i think i guess you have to figure out yourself first i know that's kind of cryptic and people say that all the time not just in magic but i think you have to just figure out uh like what's what are you looking to do are you looking to be cutthroat are you looking to just chill out and put your favorite weird cards in a deck um are you looking to play a weird theme like i don't know badger Badger tribal Tribal or something (laughs) (laughs) you know or i don't know there's i think i think it's beautiful that the game has so many cards and so many like avenues like sometimes when i'm bored i go on scryfall and just randomly click the randomizer Mm -hmm. button and i find some weird cards here and there like like musician which we talked about that's that's another whole other discussion for (laughs) another day absolutely that's a whole other discussion but but you know like uh i guess i guess the other thing about the community though is i've seen both where there are new and old players age-wise doesn't matter where they have these preconceived notions about something you know, like I whip out, I don't know, I whip out like a known commander. I don't play Derevi, but say I have you a Derevi monster. blink deck or something. I don't, I don't. But, but you know, someone sees that card and they auto- automatically shudder, right? Yeah. I think, I think, 
I think it's good to have a conversation, not just a rule zero conversation, but also just a general like welfare, like yeah. a wel- welfare check yeah. on people. Um, it's really hard to do. It's really hard, especially if you don't know the person uh, to, to like balance that out. But um, I, I don't know, you know, I've seen people that have, have proxied entire decks and I, I know for a fact that they have the money probably to spend on the cards that they, they could put in there, but they, they choose to proxy either cards they don't own or cards they own, but they, they just want to have the deck with the same right skeleton. And I we've talked about this too. Like you want Arcane Signet Band, which I think is hilarious, but I think it's also a good point. Now, let's get Lux to <laughs> um, jump in here. Like Lux, like yeah. from your standpoint, what do you think good players need to have today in order to be successful? We've like you, you've you, you and I have talking for months now about the changing nature of of the game and and of, of the format. So, what do you think is really paramount for? players to in order to have long-term success i think one of the things that they definitely need to do is you know the deck balancing because you know they there's a lot of deck builds that focus either heavily on creatures lands or into all-out spells in general but and then and like those are good and all but they it take standard for example and then you know, like the Pro Tours, what is the one thing you notice about all those and the top tournament winning decks? Like, they're all perfectly balanced in, like, the means of creatures, the spells, and lands. I think you're onto something there, and I think that's... With Commander, it's big. I mean, we're talking such a wide card pool, it's hard to, to, to be very intentional about that balancing, but I think you're onto something there, that the balancing is key. Now... I'm just going to, can I just interject my own two cents in here? I really do think that actually something that no one's talked about uh, that probably needs to be discussed more is the way that we network as a game. Because we've seen this very much throughout the pandemic, but even before then, um, people very much reside within a silo. Um, And Commander, Magic is, is tricky this way because like when you play a sport or you have a, a, an interest that is, you know, structured by an outside agency, um, whether it's, you know, music and, and, and there's music uh, competitions or, there's, or performances, there's always some sort of networking that goes in around that. And like it's, and everyone understands what's expected. Oh, there's a hockey tournament this week. Okay. So teams show up, they'll play their games, the teams that are better will advance and win and, and play in the finals and win and who the winner has the trophy, right? And for a long time, that's how magic was structured, right? We had all the pro tours and we t- and everyone would stop every set every set and watch the pro tour intently. Um, but Commander is a very different beast in the sense that there is no championship, there is no greatest player deck anything right and so um consequently when people gather to play it gets really challenging to make that all mesh and work have everybody's different ideas come to the come together at a pot like a pot of four people bring all their own past experiences they bring all their all their uh you know their how they view the game whether they're old like me they're young like you pete or they're, you know, something else, 
and the way they view the game, all of it comes to the table, and we never really break down that process. And then we say, oh, well, this rule zero, we'll have that rule zero conversation, and all will be well and dandy in the world. I'm like, no, I think, I think that actually has to start long, long before we ever sit down at a table. And how I think we need, as a, as a community, to spend the time just talking to each other. And not even about, not even about how we play the game, but just like let's just sit down and shoot the, you know, the shoot the breeze about cards and, you know, what we like to play and how we do and how was your weekend and. How do you, like we'd have a much better understanding of how each other all works, and so when we've. Like I, initially, this was a format that was really focused on um, on on social peer groups gathering together to play. That's why, like the judges right. at a GP would sit down together and play. Right, that's where essentially it got its origin. But then we moved it into a store, and now the the masses can play it. But the masses are playing it without the opportunity to have a discussion. Where I think people who are successful and are having a good time, or people who have spent the time to get to know the people who they're playing with. And, and you know, that is what leads to the really positive gameplay experiences um, where everyone can ha- sit down and have fun. Like, oh, yeah, I understand what your deck is doing. Here's my deck that I'm going to choose to counter counterplay and have that, that game, right? Um, and we need to invest in that, that time. We pe- I think players... Of, right. of the game of commander if you're really diligent about wanting to be a successful commander player enjoy it and, and have people around you enjoy it and have people generally spend their time you know enjoying the experience then we need to invest the time in just talking to each other and that's hard particularly we've been isolated for two years now for two years commi- like we have mm-hmm. been all Locked at home. I've hardly seen any of my friends in the last two years. I have yet to play an in-person game of Commander, apart from last summer when I was working at the summer camp, and we were basically locked in the camp. So we knew that we were COVID-free. We could sit down and play cards and paper. But without having that regular contact with my friends, like... Are we going to have a good time next time we play together in person? I, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. Um, spell like spell table's been a yeah. good outlet. Discord, I find, if people choose to use it, can be a really useful and powerful tool as well. But I think, just generally speaking, we need to spend more time networking with each other and talking and getting to know each other in order to have a broader understanding of what people are bringing to the table. You know, when we talk about bad beat stories, like, the, like I mean, you would lo- understand a lot about me if I tell you the story about the guy who, the guy who pump stomped me and my, and my solution yeah. to the guy who pump stomped me. And I've told it on Caster before, I'll tell, tell it real quick, but a guy showed up, to, a friend of a friend showed up to play at a card night, and he said, oh, we're playing Commander. He's like, great. So he pulled out a deck, and he promptly stomped us like bad and laughed about it and i proceeded to tell him like you have about 30 seconds to like make amends or we're gonna i'm meeting you in the driveway 
and we're going to have and we're going to have it out. And let me assure you, standing on a driveway in you know eastern Ontario in the dead of, dead of winter is not where anybody wants to have a fist fight. So, like, but that's like I was going I was going to have a fight him, and that's my solution. And like that tells you a yeah. lot about me. But like, it's like so. It reminds me like people sitting down yeah. when the game started. Right, it was just a bunch of people on their lunch break talking about life and yeah. playing with their favorite cards. So they brought life yeah. to the table with them. Now we now we exclude the life part of it. We try to escape by playing with I guess three strangers at this point. So it's ironic because it's like the opposite of what the game should be, which is, you know, sitting down with three or four or more close friends. Yeah. Or friends in general. You know, eat, maybe eating some snacks or something, you know, having some beer or juice or whatever. And and just chatting and messing around and, you know, laughing exactly. and playing the game. Um, you know, even like the card yeah. designs are different. Like the like the flexibility of certain you, cards are you look you are you, not flexible. You look at like I'm sorry, um, like you look at some of those ascendancies from Cons Block compared to what's coming in New Capenna, like Broker's Ascendancy yeah. is insane. Like it's positively insane. And like right. which of those which of those ascendancies from from Cons Block even like can hold a candle to it? Like Jeskai Ascendancy maybe? Maybe? Tamir, maybe, but yeah, that's like, that's like luck. Yeah, no, I hear your point. Like, card designs have changed. Uh, so much has changed. Or, or just, or just like, like, like Prosper. I'm not going to harp on Prosper too much, but I personally hate the card design just because of the fact that it gets so dang confusing when it's at the table with three other people. When it's built in the, I guess, good way to build it, it's just mm -hmm. so confusing. Mm -hmm. Not wrong, you know. And it, it's almost to the point where it's like. I can't even like, like have a conversation outside of the board state at this point. I can't even like chat with my buddies. I have to just, just figure out what's going to be played from yeah, Exile well. every single turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost a distraction. It's almost like a distraction to, because like the best games I've had is what you were talking about—the networking situation, where we were like, "Oh, how was work today?" or like, "How." How's life going with you? Haven't talked in a while, and we kind of did that, and then we decided who's going to go in turn order, and then went from there. Or like I played Plane Chase a few times, and I recommend it. I highly recommend it because it adds an extra wrinkle, and it's just super fun and random. Yep. Um, but that was fun because it was an extra layer, and we would just joke around about it, yep. and, and just like you know, if something would happen in the Plane Chase situation, we're like, wow, thanks for. You know, yeah, like, thanks for sure. messing with me, you know, at the perfect time. Or, or like, you could have an organic conversation just yeah. just playing the game. Where, where when you, I guess, when you're complicating things <laughs> with certain strategies, too, I think it's difficult um, to, to like, balance, balance it out. Like, I, I love that Luck said that the balance with the deck structure, but also just balance of, let's maybe not push this guy's button today, or maybe... Uh, maybe let's just like chill out and do something weird with our deck we've never tried before, if, rather than trying to win with a particular line or I something. That's, I think that's huge. Um, you know, or just chilling. Yeah, yeah, or just or just like chilling out and uh, just 
I don't know, chatting about the current situation. I don't know. I love hockey, so I guess, like, oh, who do you think is going to win the cup or something? You know what I mean? Something casual while you're playing cards. No, I think I think, I think that's too. I think that's, I think that's important. <laughs> I think we've uh, I think your, the point that you made about sitting down and playing with three strangers is really salient here, and I think that good players are going to find a way to the network. And I'm not saying that people like can't show up at a store and play with people they don't know. But if you're going into playing at a store that you with people you don't know, maybe you don't show up with your top tier deck. Maybe you show up with some janky piles and, you know, spend the nights actually getting to know the other players over over something that's kind 100%. of poopy instead of like showing up with your top like play the long game here if you're really going to enjoy the game show up with something kind of janky and you know make yourself some new playmates that you can play and enjoy the game with like they don't have they don't have to be your best friends they don't have to be but people that you know well enough that when you sit down to play with them you know what to expect you're going to have a good time and and go from there and forge that relationship and i think that's the part the portion the portion pardon me that i think success really successful players have when you watch guys play on streams or on you know like like those the, the top youtube videos you know you watch the the josh lee Kwais and the jimmy wong's play on command on on, uh, on the command zone like they know each other and they're and that's that relationship and with and with mm-hmm. their team, the other players they bring on from the command zone team, like they've already got a, a built-in rapport, and so they're really only. And if you notice them, they talk about it. They fly their guests in, you know, a day or two early, and they play some games. Yeah, they spend the weekend. Spend with, a weekend with them, building a, a relationship. Yeah. And once you have done that, now it's far more effective to have your rule zero conversation about what you expect from this particular game today. Right. Um, and, but I don't think anyone's talked about forging, how, how to build that network, how to build those connections with people. And I think it's what's missing most from the game right now. And we're going to be going back to command fests where we're literally going to have hundreds, if not thousands of players showing up to play and they're not going to know a, a soul, you know. We've been locked in. We've been locked in isolation for so long that most players aren't going to know right. too many other players showing up unless they came in the car with them. So that's the to me the part right. the, the part of the game that um, I think players need to really spend some time and invest in, um, and 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 moving forward because like I don't think the problem is always the rule zero conversation. I think like. I think we need to have it, but I don't think the problem is the rule zero conversation when people are talking about it uh, in that sense. And I've seen, and, and, and it's the, how do we, how do we have the stones enough to ask people, hey, um, are you playing like tons of infinite combos and tutors in your deck? If you don't know who they are, right? Like you need to have a relationship and mm-hmm. That's the portion that we're having a hard time forging, and so why people get frustrated with each other. So, hmm. well, like, how funny is it when you know the person and you're trying to politic with them, and they know you, 
and they they like don't fall for it and or that you make a really you have to make a really hard deal with them you have to live up to it like like mason and i would always yeah we'd go back and forth for like five minutes trying to determine (laughs) if we're gonna go through with these with these deals or like making jokes about um just I I wouldn't like like even like I wouldn't make yeah, a deal no. with that guy, you know. Yeah. Don't trust so, that guy, kind of thing, you know. Because yeah, you know, but like, like similarly <laughs> to that thought, if you don't have a relationship with, with anybody, you sit down in a player of four absolute strangers, and knowing full well that in a minute or two, like when this game is over, you may never play another game with them ever again. When you make a deal, there's little like there's little incentive for you to actually hold your end of the bargain, because you may never play with them mm-hmm. again. And, but if you have an ongoing relationship with them, now when you make, when you make a deal with Mason, you're, you need to own up to it and say, yeah, okay, I made the deal. I'll be true to mm-hmm. my word because next time, if I don't next time, when I need to make a deal and I need you to stick to it, like we need to be like, we need to have that trust with like, I just think that's the, the biggest piece that we people are not discussing and not talking about, and I probably should write an article about it. And, <laughs> and anyway, um, but yeah, so I think that's really important. And I think that sort of addresses the whole rule zero conversation. If you have a relationship, the rule zero conversation is easy to have. It's like, so what's everyone want to do tonight? Like, do we want to like smash faces or do we want to like do something goofy? Oh, goofy tonight. All right. Let me pull out something. And we pull out your, you pull out your, your, your right. Thantis the Warweaver deck, and everyone groans because they make you because now everyone's got to make their their mana dorks fight, right? Like stuff like that, right? So, um, but uh, you know the whole the whole networking piece is not being discussed really. So, Lux, Lux, at the store, are you seeing people like the same faces who come in every week, or is it like do you have a lot of rotating faces coming through? For the most part, we have regulars. Would you say like you're talking like like sixty percent of the people are regulars or or more? And I'd say like at least in like a large majority, in like maybe in like seventy percent. Oh, that's, that's good. So you're, I think, part of the reason I think you're having success is because these people coming are coming in every week, and they are they're build they've built that network, they've built those relationships. And so they can have success. And I think yep. that's what well, the rest of us need to strive to that. And I recognize not everyone has an LGS to go to. Like, I don't have an LGS I can go to. For me to get the nearest LGS is 75 kilometers away. Which for those in the United States is like, you know, me traveling over an hour to the nearest LGS. So it's really hard for me to say, well, I'm just going to pop in the LGS tonight for some and, and, and play a couple of cheeky commander games. And like, like that's, that's not a thing. But so I've had to build my network through other means. And I'll be honest there, folks, that's why I'm a big proponent of the Lotus Council. That is the outlet I have used for the last, well, two years throughout the pandemic to build that network of new players with whom I can play. And um, there's nothing, you know, but the whole process of, of getting fit in the right place is really challenging. And... And I think that's the whole, the whole, the whole discussion really comes down to it. So, um, anyway, 
I think we've we've touched on a lot of the other questions there, Pete, and it's starting to get late. So I'm going to ask a couple a couple of sort of quicker ones. Um, so proxies, yay or nay? Are you are you are or are you somewhere in between? Okay. Here we go. This is a oh, good geez. loaded okay. question for me. Thank you. So, okay, my my rule of thumb is I only mm, proxy yeah. cards that I own. Okay, because I feel like if if the game was meant to be proxied, then what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, if I just proxied every single deck and didn't buy any cards, I'm not even, like, supporting the company that makes the card, the real cards. And I have no problem with proxies. Like, if people play proxies, I don't really care. But I've worked hard, you know, financially to get that copy, you know, of that good card or whatever. Or I've worked, I've like, you know, traded cards in to get other cards. Or, you know, I bought a Yawgmoth, uh Thran Physician because that's a card I've always wanted uh, since I got into the game when it when it came out in MH1. And uh, his ba his backstory is just super cool. Like, I just always liked his his lore too. Um, so just this, it's one of those cards that means a lot to me. Um, but I feel like proxying can defeat the purpose at times. Again, the, the the discussion we touched on earlier with everyone's playing the same linear, like, you know, top 10 or top 20 cards. Because, um, I mean, I could put a Smothering Tithe in every <sighs> single white deck that I play, right? You know what I mean? That's a small example. Or like a Great Henge, you know, because yeah. green. <laughs> um, but do I choose to? No. Do I think it takes away from the deck building experience? Yes. Um, do I think it's necessary to proxy, especially if you can't afford to play cards? Of course. Um, I know I'm glad they have Moxfield and Architect and stuff because you can test decks online, but at the end of the day, yeah, you have to play yeah. them against people to see if they work. So, you know, um, I'm all for proxying, but to an extent, I think there needs to be a balance to that. And I feel like, like our, our LGS in my hometown they have a rule for their league. It's like max, I think, is five proxies per deck, which I think is incredibly fair. Because um, you kind of have to pick and choose what you're going to proxy. Um, and that way, the power creep at the LGS isn't incredibly ridiculous. Um, but yeah, because, like, I've again, I've earned the right to play this yeah. copy of this card. <laughs> I saved my money, you know? I saved, you know, three weeks worth of paychecks to be able to spend what a, a little bit of extra income on i don't know a frexine altar or something <laughs> but um again that's you know that's just an no, example I, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know it's just super because i've gotten conversations with people before where they're all like very pro proxy and i'm like okay i understand you know obviously but i don't know you know i don't really want to sit next to or play with somebody who has literally every single card proxied in their deck you know, just if it's like I could just play arena at that point, <laughs> you know, like I, I, what's the point of sitting down at a real table with oh, real, real people if the cards, if they're not even attempting to like, you know, spend, spend and support uh, the company that makes the cards because it's, it's a TC, it's a trading card mm -hmm. game, right? Like that's literally what it is. <laughs> it's meant to be collection too. Like it's not all about just playing the game per se. Like it's nice to collect yeah, the cards well, too, I think personally. I think there it gives a lot of meaning to cards. Like there's stories behind cards, right? Like it, the trades you've made, or like 
you know, that one card you always wanted or that card that got no, you into I, the game. You're absolutely you know? right. Lux, <laughs> um, we, we talked about proxies before on, on, on the show, so where do you stand on proxies these days? I'm honestly okay with them because and, and it's like you know, Pete was saying, you know, they, there are cards that you know, they, people would like to play, but they just can't afford the card because and they you know like there's the whole mtg finance in a in a section of it and you know and like, like some like really good card that would really fit in a certain deck may just be too pricey mm-hmm. for someone at a certain time but the like the deck they that in a deck really needs that kind of card and so they the only and yeah, a choice that you have is to basically proxy it Right, like a guy's cradle, yeah, yeah. you know, or Sarah Sanctum, or to to a lesser extent, some of the reserve lists. Like, um, I'm lucky enough; I own an Anvil of Bogodan, which is one of my favorite cards in Magic. But now it's like what, fifty, sixty bucks, maybe a little bit more. It's a very cool effect, right? Everyone gets to draw an additional card each turn, discard a card. So there's some fun things you can do with that, like shenanigans, with discard effects, but also. Allowing people to loot is kind of fun, you know, it puts everybody on this clock and yeah, yeah, or like, uh, or like repercussion. That card is hilarious. I think that card is super funny, but it's, you know, it's a reserve. I think it's, I don't know if it's reserve list, but I know it's like 30 bucks, but it's perfect in burn decks and it's perfect in red, red decks, uh, for like certain strategies, (laughs) right? It's so niche that why would you spend $30 that you might not have? If you want to proxy it and eventually buy it, of course, I think that's fine. You know, um, I know like everyone harps on the reserve list as well because I think they should have more accessibility. I mean, I'm I'm still in school. I you know yeah. we all pay bills here, <laughs> and it's hard it's hard enough to justify spending eighty bucks on mm-hmm. on cards, <laughs> you know, or more. I mean, I'm being generous in wow. my statement here, but. But you know, it's 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 like it's like a sacrifice. But I think the sacrifice is worth it if you really love the game. And I guess, at the end of the day, if you're if you, however you play the game, proxy or not, you're still playing the game. Yeah. And I have no problem. No, I, with that. I think I'm I, I'm similar <laughs> to you guys. I think in the sense like if you own the card, I have no problem with you proxying it. Enjoy enjoy a proxy way. I think if it's something new that you're trying out, or you or something you you before you like try it before you build you you buy it. Um, I'm I'm very comfortable with that too. And I do appreciate that when if you like depending on how uh, how you're interested in pursuing the game, I know at the CD, CEDH level that to play a top tier CEDH game could be a very prohibitively expensive, and so making things accessible to people so that they can gradually acquire the pieces they need in order to play the full deck is uh, you have to give people that opportunity, and I think it takes time, particularly. As prices continue to soar, like you're going to play OG dual lands, you're going to play yeah. these the, these powerful reserveless cards, you're going to play a time twister, you're going to play a whatever. Like you, people need time to acquire these. They don't just you just can't walk into any old LGS and buy OG dual lands off the shelf. Like many LGSs around here, yep. at least, don't have any of those in stock. Let alone like let you buy whatever you need for your decks, like multiple decks. So. If you need your Bayou in your Sultai deck and in your Jun deck, like, well, buy a Bayou. I'm like, and then proxy it for the other one. I'm totally cool with that. I get it. Um, makes total sense to me. So, anyway, okay. Whew. 
Lots of good conversation tonight, though. Lots of good conversation to be had. And I think, Pete, there's more for us to discuss on, discuss uh, at, at a later date, I think. And so we'll have to have you bring you on again. Um, let's tonight, let's turn to segment three here and move on to tonight's list, which is um, a Zayatora list. So Zayatora is the Jund family leader, commander I, uh, of the Riveteers. Um, and so she's a really interesting um, commander. And I took one look at her and I said, well, there's my girl. I'm building Zayatora. I also don't know if Zayatora is actually a girl or not, but I'm going to assume Zayatora is a girl. Um, <laughs> so Zayatora the Incinerator is three black, red, green. So three and a jun for a 6-6 six, six flying legendary creature, demon dragon. If you ever had a demon dragon before, that's pretty cool. Anyway. So it says, at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, Zyatora the Incinerator deals damage equal to, the, that, to that creature's power to any target, and you create three treasure tokens. So this is, this is the dream. So the dream. Sorry. The, the, the dream of this card, right? You play this like turn five or six. You get Galta out next turn, and you sack Galta. And you get 12 uh, no, treasures. No, you only get three. Oh, three. I'm sorry. It's yeah. uh, sorry. I misread the card. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's so, three, no matter what. Then never mind. <laughs> I thought it was equal to its power, which would have been broken. Now, um, so sorry. folks, this <laughs> card. There's lots of really interesting ways to abuse this, and I think the way I the way I took it was I'm looking to play this, and I want to make as many treasures as I can, um, and so and ultimately the goal is the revel and riches win. All right, and I think there's lots of ways to do that. Um, so, <laughs> so, some interesting interactions, uh, Academy Manufactor, as the, it all creates, so if you would create a clue of food or a treasure token, instead yeah. create three of e or one of each, that's fun. You're going to be making lots of tokeny treasures, uh, all over, or treasures all over the, all over the table. And, you know, sure. The treasure is what you're probably looking for most in this deck, but the truth of the matter is when this one also makes you gains you back life and then draws you cards that's never a bad thing um you're going to be have, have access to um zorn which is another one that i think people are going to have to really keep their eyes out for um that if you would create one or more treasure tokens create uh those tokens plus an additional treasure token so you're getting an extra treasure token regularly um storm kiln artist is another one that i think is going to make you lots of treasures um, and then the two big ones that I have here, there's lots of other like smaller ways to make treasure token. Um, sorry, there's three that I want to highlight. Um, at Sushi, the Blazing Blade, Blazing Sky. Um, so if you sack at Sushi to uh, Zayatora, you can choose to have at Sushi make you three treasure tokens, and then Zayatora is going to make you three treasure tokens. So you're actually going to be mana positive out of this by a fairly wide margin. And if you can find a way to loop at Sushi um, with some sort of recur rec rec recursion package, you could be, yeah, Nim Nim Death Mantle. You could do that. Would be gross it. Gross things with that. That'd be the one. Um, and there's uh, there's also the Bootlegger Stash, which is the um, the expensive artifact from uh, New Capenna that says lands you control have tap add a treasure token, so you can make that. And then, of course, we have Brass's Bounty. 
which I think is just hilarious. But it says, reach the land you control, create a treasure token. So you're going to have a giant influx of mana, or you just make so much man- so much treasure you can win the game. Um, you can also do fun things like, um, where is it? A second Harvest. Second Harvest is two green green for each token you control. Put a to- token on the battlefield as a copy of that permanent. So you could copy all your treasure tokens on at instant speed, and then on your turn untap, and your Revel and Riches triggers, and you win. So, yes. Bruce, real quick. Helm of the Hostess. Oh. Because then you can just do it like oh, three or four times. There we go. Instant. Helm of the Host. Oh, it sounds least. like I, have, I had not thought that way, but I will put a <laughs> Helm of the Host. Um, the other way that I thought this deck could win, and I think this is going to be music to uh, Sneaky Pete's ears. So there's two cards in, here, in this deck that are going to be trigger <laughs> off of your um, your treasures. So Reckless Fireweaver is uh, terrific, uh, mm-hmm. particularly for a two-mana card that comes down. And um, if your opponent's not smart, aren't going to identify that this is going to just kill them out of nowhere. Um, whenever an artifact uh, enters the battlefield under your control, Reckless Fireweaver deals one damage to each opponent. If you can suddenly vomit a lot of treasure onto the battlefield, you could dome them all uh, and, and wipe the table out. The other one is Marionette Master, which I think this card is just <laughs> going to be the, just hilarious in this deck. Um, and generally going forward with any of these treasure decks, um, because as Marionette Master says, whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard and you sack a treasure token, it's going to... It's going to go to the graveyard, so Marionette Master will trigger. Um, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So the real giggle here is uh, you make a ginormous pile of treasure tokens, and then you just sack them, and you put all these tri- triggers stacked on on the stack of Marionette Master, dealing four damage to them repeatedly. I don't think it's going to take that many treasure tokens before they're dead. Like, that's my honest opinion. And I think the card is, like, a 50 cents. You cannot go wrong. Like, Mayhem Devil... Mayhem Devil is $3.5. And Marriott Master, like, feels, like, mm-hmm. almost way more broken. So, anyway. Uh, let's start with you there, Pete. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts here on um, our l- illustrious um, Zyatora deck? You've already... Helm of the Host seems like a sweet card. I, I was that. thinking... Um, Helm of the Host, uh, Pitiless Plunder which is pretty well known with the treasure builds. Uh, whenever another creature you control dies, create a treasure token. Plunderer, but yes. Um, what else was I thinking? Uh, in terms of... Uh, in terms of, like, recursion effects, because you could probably just realistically loop creatures um, that that are easily recurred like uh blood chief um not blood chief ascension um yeah blood soak champion which is one of my favorite cards ever i think it's fantastic i love that card to death um also there's a new tenacious, one from the new set um, that does the same thing yeah tenacious underdog and you can you can blitz it out of your you know, and and um out of your graveyard and so yeah when you sock it you're also going to get you also draw a card off of it Yep. Also, um, you could even do some death trigger effects, like like with uh, with like Blood Artist, 
potentially. Uh, again, I, I feel like the treasure build is just better, you know? Um, you, there's another card that cares about treasure hitting the yard. Um, Disciple oh, right, of right. the Vault. Which, whenever, whenever an artifact hits the graveyard, I think it's each opponent right, loses right. a life or something to that effect. And then I, a Clock of Omens could be interesting if you, you're creating a ton of treasures. What am I untapping with that? Um, you could, I guess you could untap like, uh, like, um, like an Ori or something. But so, again, I guess, I'm gonna be I guess, honest, I think yeah, it wouldn't really, I, I, it wouldn't really work the way that I was thinking about mind. But I've cro it's cro crossed my mind with uh, Halo Fountain, and that that but that puts us in one oh, yeah. whole other deck. That's another for another sh that's for another show. But yeah. um, that's that's like Paradox Engine level crazy right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think oh, Chainer yeah. would be very yeah. good in the deck. Um, I I think uh, a desk uh, is it Hell's Caretaker. There's uh, the one where you it's pay a black tap and sack it, return a creature from your mm. graveyard to play I forget right, what it's yeah, called, yeah. Doom, Doom Necromancer Doom Necromancer That's um, but you know the recursion effects because you could do it on the end step of other people's turn and then when you go to your turn um, not only can you swing first um, like I'm, I'm just thinking about like constantly recurring a runescar <laughs> demon because yeah, what I used yeah. to do, I had a Jun deck before Zeatora. Before Zeatora was a thing, I played a Kodama and, and Vile Smasher deck. And it was basically just the whole goal was to get sneak attack out, sneaking attack oh. out like big old bad creatures, and then getting them back out in some recursion oh, like effect like oh, Living Death or fun. something. Like you put like a Perforos um, and a. And, and a yeah. yeah, or a Terror of the Peaks. Like I was thinking Terror of the Peaks would be super good because you can just kill like bad things on the board on, on other people's side, but then also with Zeatora's death trigger, uh, you can also just bolt people in the face. Um, yeah. You know, like with a Galta or with uh, the shuffle effect, some of those like shuffle creatures uh, right. that come back into your library after they die or something. Like a world, world spine worm. Or I think that's the big one. Or um, Blightsteel. <laughs> just yeah, literally just, instantly just, kill somebody uh, with a Blightsteel yeah. Colossus. Sure. Those are some great suggestions to make this deck uh, yeah. make this deck go. Um, <laughs> Lux, what about you? What do you what, what, what do you like? What do you think you take out? Uh, anything that a, our, our aspiring Zyatora players should be uh, looking for? Honestly, being it's kind of like Pete said, you know, and then, and the helm of the host is really good fit. And, you know, bootlegger stash, and then gotta get them treasure tokens. Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah, but, and, like, all in all, like, Zeatora looks pretty good. Like, looks really spicy. Yeah, no, it looks like, I think, I think this is, like, one of those commanders that no one is really, no one is really talking about her. Everyone was so mesmerized by Xander. That I think people didn't really look at some of the other ones, and I yeah. think Zyatora, Falco, and Jetmir are all really, really powerful. Um, I know I. Mm -hmm. I just realized too. Um, 
sorry, before I lose my train of thought, but like you could use like puppeteer click and like the original chainer to take other people's creatures from their graveyard oh and then God. sack them at the end step as well. I just thought about that as we were as we were going through it. That would be brutal mm. and like kind of mean, but uh but it could work. I mean, especially with the chainer's ability where if it would die it gets exiled instead. Whoa, <laughs> so, yeah. You could do some gross things with puppeteer click. I whoa. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. And then chainer the the but original yeah. chainer with the activated ability could could so, also do some. So audience, things. I think uh, <laughs> what we're saying here is this deck could be really, really good. Um it could be really fun to play and your your opponents are I mean, maybe they're maybe they're gonna not be too excited for the um, for the uh, Revel and Riches kill, but I think you can get a lot of mileage out of like this. Room's got a couple of routes to victory, um, beyond just like the Revel and Riches. Like you can go for the Marionette Master Reckless Fireweaver victory, um, Mayhem Devil is another one that can very easily pile up, um, or you could just play you know big old things like your Feasting Troll or you know at Sushi's and. Gadrax and stuff that are now very big. Like Gadrax is going to be very, like, almost assuredly turned on. You're going to be able to probably recur your Feasting Troll King and so on and so forth. So the, I think the deck's pretty fun. Um, right now, the price tag is a little high because we're talking, you know, almost $280, $290 because of so many of the cards are still reasonably fresh and new. Like the Bootlegger Stash is $50, $43. Um, that's kind of a, that's kind of big game, but um, no, like the whole the whole thing seems like a pretty fun uh, fun route to take your deck. So anyway, I think I think budget wise, mm -hmm. you could just go with like persist creatures yeah. or something like that, and you wouldn't even need necessarily need to um, like yeah use any expensive cards. You could just use. Creatures that are easily recurrable, like reassembling skeletons. Well, that's why I have Squee or something um, like that. Squee is in um, this list because uh, Squee the Immortal, nice. I believe, is the one I have. Squee the Immortal, just, you can get Squee back pretty easily, and then you can throw him again at somebody with Zyatora, get the treasures, yeah. you know, treasure and just treasure it all up. You know, you've then got your Helm of the Host on your Zyatora, making multiple Zyatoras, and you know, seems like fun. Um, also, chucking Scoot Swarm tokens seems, also seems like a surprisingly fun and easy way to get that done. Because like, I kind of feel like the way I'm most interested in that is making the counters on it. Um, and, you know, like, or Krenko tokens, that also is another one that you could get to. So, anyway, that's where my headspace is with that. So, I think, I think the deck's actually really fun um, and got has lots of different avenues that you can pursue. Um, and others that could be explored. Like, if you want to get into the sacrifice feature of it more so than the treasures, you could go down the persist route. I think persist and undying and things that come back, um, bibbity bobbity boop could be fun. Um, I think you can take Zyatora and like, just lean into the whole fling aspect of it. Like, you want to fling a Galta and fling big things at people. Yeah. What's that? That new card, it's a valet, it's that devil. Whenever a creature enters under your control, oh. it doubles its power until end of turn. 
So like you could make a like a token token set strategy where you just make one massive creature and then just fling it at And the unnatural growth opponent, from Crimson Dial like where it's going to double like and double it again and double it and like yeah. and then you and then you have and since you can play Xenagos yeah. too, Xenagos can trigger too and then you fling it and the thing like someone's someone's dying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Partners, like, so you can do a lot of stuff if, well. if that's the route you want to go. I took this down treasures, but like Zyatora has got like there are three very ob like easily discernible paths that we we just we just laid out for people. You can take it and it's a pretty so it's a pretty cool deck. Um pretty cool commander. And I think we haven't had people explore it nearly enough. Um because we've been so focused on Xander. And we haven't really wanted to talk about, you know, Jetmir, Zyatora in particular. Zyatora, I heard nothing, virtually nothing about her. Um, but Jetmir, Zyatora, and uh, Falco. I think all three of those are actually really, really powerful. Um, and, like, Rafine is pretty cool, too. Like, I think that, but I think that's a very different style, style of deck, too. So, anyway... Oh, also for our friends at home, uh, you can pick her up right yeah, now for so, like under six bucks. So I, I think this is I a think, good spot go to for pick it. up a pretty, um, pretty reasonable price price commander. That's not going to you know leave you wondering why can't I afford the rest of my deck? So anyway, that's my thought. <laughs> that's the deck. So um, with that, I think we're going <laughs> to move to wrap up this week's cool. show because it's been it's been a good one. It's been a long one tonight, folks. Uh, another long show, but thanks very much for bearing with us. Um, so before we get out of here, Pete, if people wanted to talk to you more about your thoughts on Commander, on deck building strategies, or just to get your help on building their next deck, how can people reach out to you somewhere on the internet? Oh boy. Uh, I actually don't have any social media anymore. Uh, I just got rid of it about a year ago. Or so I guess email. Um, <laughs> I, I feel so old, but I'm only I'm, I'm, <laughs> come to probably Lowe's email or Discord. Or Discord. Come, come find Sneaky Pete um, and check yeah. check him out in the Lowe's Council Discord. All right, that's where you can find him. If you want to find us, you can find us. Uh, you can email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us at Twitter at, at Epic Exp Cast. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Epic EXP Cast as well. You can find all of our decks we brew on Moxfield under the username of the Epic Experiment Podcast. And you can find all of the 100 and I think 20 decks that we have up there. You can find them all from standard. There's a couple of standard ones right through to Brawl, Historic Brawl, and, and plenty of Commander for everybody. Um, whatever platform you're out there listening to us, whether it's just on the Lotus Council's um, or your website, or on your favorite podcast app, uh, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Amazon, whatever you do, like, follow, subscribe, leave a comment, whatever out there to get the word out that we are here every week talking Commander for you guys um, and loving it. So thanks very much. Um, I would be lying if I told you that we were done yet, though, because we still have to tell you how you could win our Killian deck so our Killian deck, you can be entered to win by when the, I post the, the link to the show on Twitter. You can like, follow, and then retweet it with including the hashtag, hashtag EpicEXPCast. 
and that way you can be entered into our draw for a full on deck sleeved in a box 100 cards ready to play when you open it up so who wouldn't want that anyway well pete thanks so much for coming on tonight really appreciate it um and uh hopefully you had a good time <laughs> i did thank you very much Excellent. it's a pleasure to and we enjoyed having you, you on so we'll have to have thanks. you on again to keep to continue our discussion um We'll have that another time. Uh, next week, we are sure. going to be uh, diving more into what New Capenna has to offer for us. Um, but that's going to be for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next play Magic. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you then. Thank you.